One day, while Jesus was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting nearby. They had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with him to heal. Just then, some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a bed. They were trying to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. But finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down with his bed through the tiles into the middle of the crowd in front of Jesus. When he saw their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven you. This morning, we are continuing our sermon series on loving our neighbor. And today, we look at this text about the paralyzed man. Now, I entitled this sermon, Breakthrough, because obviously, they break through the crowd, they break through the roof, and they break through to find healing for this man. But I could have, and maybe should have, titled it, He Ain't Heavy, He's My Brother, just like our prelude. And it's important to note that this text comes at the very beginning of Jesus' ministry. He has just done a few healing miracles, and the word of Jesus is just now beginning to spread. And so what we'll see in this text is there are a lot of really important people who have come to hear Jesus. There are Pharisees, there are scribes, there are priests. These are the important and powerful men in society who have not yet made up their minds about Jesus. They've just heard about this guy who has the power of God, and they're trying to find out what to make of him. And as we look at the unfolding of this story, I think there are three important lessons, at least, for our understanding of what it means to love our neighbor. Now, the first thing I want to put before us is that we have to participate in the process of healing. Now, listen, so here is this guy who has been paralyzed, we don't know, for his whole life, for, for years, and uh, the word is spreading that there's this Jesus guy who's healing people. We don't know if the paralyzed man calls his friends and says, hey, what about this Jesus? But I suspect these friends probably come to him and go, hey, bud, there's this guy, Jesus, who's out there healing people, and why don't we go to him and see if he can heal you? You know, how many times do we just sit at home praying for healing? And Jesus might be saying, you need to participate in the process of healing. 
How many times uh, do you know of people who the doctor says, if you do your physical therapy, you'll get better? And the person doesn't want to do physical therapy. They just want Jesus to heal them. And Jesus says, if you do your physical therapy, I'll be walking alongside you. We have to participate in the process of healing. And sometimes it's up to us to participate in the process of healing for others. This is a key part of loving our neighbor. So these men are willing to help the paralyzed man find healing. They're willing to invest in his healing. It reminds me of the times that we have someone in the hospital and so we take food to that home. Or someone needs to get to an appointment and can't drive and one of us steps up and takes them there. There are many ways that we participate in the process of healing for others. Uh, I think about uh, AA groups, right? You have to decide you want to participate in healing, but then you also get a sponsor who is going to walk that journey of healing with you. And so the first thing we see in this story is the way that we have to act. We have to have some effort that we put forth for this healing process to occur. Then the second thing that we see, and I'll use the word here, perseverance. Because imagine this. Okay, they're going to pick this guy up and they're going to carry him to the house where Jesus is teaching on his mat. We don't know if that means they're going two blocks or two miles. But even if it's two blocks, and even if this guy only weighs 100 pounds, that is a pretty hard task to carry this guy physically to that house where Jesus is. I know a couple guys in this congregation that if someone needed to be carried on a mat to Jesus, they sure as heck would, would give it a try. But it's not an easy task. And then after exerting all this effort, here they come to the house and there is this huge crowd. They can't come anywhere near the door, let alone get near Jesus. Now how many of us coming upon a setback or an obstacle in our healing process, would throw up our hands and say, well, we tried, but I guess today is not the day, and turn around and go home. I'm sure the man probably said, guys, you know what? Uh, I've been a burden to you already. Let's just, let's, you tried, let's just take me home. But not these men. When they come across a setback, they take a step back and they take a look at what is going on and the possibilities. They are looking for a ram in the bush. They are looking for another way to keep moving toward healing. And you can almost hear them. They're like, I wonder if one of us could push through the crowd and go in and grab Jesus and bring him out. Another one says, oh, come on, that's never going to work. 
And one says, well, I just walked around the house and I looked for another way in and there was, there was nothing there. And then third one says, well, maybe we can just wait. And when Jesus comes out, we can put, put our friend in front of him. And, and they say, but, you know, what if the crowd is still so big and there's all these important people? And they stand there and they're trying to figure out. And one of them says, I got it. Let's climb up on the roof. Let's rip off these tiles and lower him down to Jesus. They find a way when it seems like there is no way. They persevere in the healing process. They're not going to take no for an answer. And don't you know that we say two heads are better than one? Don't you know that we are better and stronger and smarter together? That when we are able to come together as God's people, we can find ways to continue this healing process when by ourselves we might just give up. This story shows us how important it is for us to persevere in the face of obstacles and to see that God may be opening another way for us to continue to move forward. So here they are, ripping the roof off, lowering their friend down into the middle of this room. And the text says to us, Jesus seeing their faith. We have not been told that the paralyzed man has any faith at all. The faith that Jesus is witnessing is these men who are carrying him, who are breaking through the roof, who are lowering him down into Jesus' midst. The faith that Jesus is commending is the faith of these men. And don't you see, when we love our neighbor, sometimes our faith has to carry them until they have their own faith. Sometimes our faith has to carry our brother or sister who is not sure about what comes next. Sometimes our faith has to carry the person through difficult times, carry the person through doubt, carry the person through whatever they're going through. Sometimes our faith is the faith that will lead to healing. Loving our neighbor means having the faith in their healing even when they themselves may not see it. And then Jesus reaches out his hand and says, your sins are forgiven. Now listen, I know many people think, oh, Jesus is forgiving this paralyzed man all his sins. What a lovely thing. But in fact, I don't think that's what Jesus is saying at all. Is there anything in this text that tells us this man has sinned? In fact, when we go back to ancient Israel, we are reminded that they believed if someone was paralyzed or blind or deaf, 
or had some physical ailment that either they sinned or one of their ancestors sinned because this had to be punishment from God. Thank goodness you and I no longer believe that physical ailment is the result of sin and punishment of God. Sometimes things happen to our bodies and it's not the result of sin. Then what does Jesus mean if this man maybe hasn't sinned? Remember, Jesus is sitting in the room with the most powerful and important men of his society. The priests, the Pharisees, the scribes, the men who enforce the laws, the men who decide who is unclean, who is sinful, who is unholy, who is unworthy. The men in that room are the ones who uphold the system that have excluded the paralyzed man from participation in community and have said he is a sinner. Jesus is forgiving whatever sins this society has laid upon the man. He has not done anything to put himself in this position. And Jesus is saying, you are worthy. You are loved. You are welcome. You are healed. I want you to be whole, and I want you to live. Sometimes ordinary people have to push back against those voices that would say you are unworthy, unholy, unclean, not welcome, and like Jesus said, it doesn't matter who you are or what state you find yourself in, you are loved and accepted by Jesus Christ. You know, uh, last Thursday was Veterans Day, and I happened to see a program about Medal of Honor recipients. And I think most of us know that the Medal of Honor is the highest award anyone in the armed services can ever receive. Uh, there have been like 40 million people who have served in our military, and only three or 4,000 have ever earned the Medal of Honor. And that's because it's only awarded during combat for a person who does an extraordinary act above and beyond the call of duty, putting their own lives in danger for the sake of saving others. And again and again, these stories are so inspiring. You know, the guy in World War II whose patrol uh, encountered the Germans, and in order to save all his guys so they could fall back, he stands up and draws all the fire and moves right forward into uh, the German lines and fire so that all his guys can escape. There was a man in Afghanistan... Uh, Ty Carter, and he, he really wasn't very well liked by the guys in his unit. He 
didn't get along with them because he was older than most of them, uh, because he had been in the Marines, and I guess he was always comparing the Army way to his preferred Marines, but he just didn't click with his fellow soldiers. They were stationed at this very remote outpost in uh, the hills, the mountains of Afghanistan, and one day, 300 Taliban soldiers attacked this outpost of some 50 uh, American soldiers. In the midst of this fierce battle with the bullets and the mortars flying, this soldier, Ty, continually ran and carried ammo from place to place to place, endangering his own life, but then... When one of the guys in his unit was wounded, laying on the ground exposed, crying out for help, and his squad leader said, You'll, you can't go, it'll just put you in danger, Ty ran through the fire, picked up this guy, carried him to an armored vehicle where the other guy together they took this guy through the fire and the bombardment all the way across the base to the medical aid station. And when asked, he received the Medal of Honor, and when asked why, if he didn't like this guy, why he would put his life at risk to save him, to get him out of harm's way, and he says, because you love your brothers because you take care of one another. And I think we know intuitively that the Medal of Honor does represent the best of us, no matter what you think of war, this idea that we will lay down our own lives, risk our own well-being so that others might have life, so that others might find healing so that others might find a way to live fully. You see, here's the thing. So often we think that healing comes from the love of God. But Jesus is showing us that healing comes as well from our love of neighbor. You and I are called to be those who carry our neighbor so that they might find healing in Jesus. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.